Welcome to the Blogger Genius Podcast brought to you by MiloTree. Here's your host, Jillian Leslie. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. Today I'm excited. My guest is Maggie Woodley from the blog Red Ted Art. Now she's been blogging since 2010 and she is also an arts educator. So welcome to the show, Maggie. Thank you so much for having me. I love your podcast. I've been binge listening to it recently. So it's been really, really informative. Thank you. Oh, thank you. So we met about a month ago, probably. Mm -hmm. Um, We'd known each other online. I don't know, like I was just looking through one of my Pinterest boards, my group boards and and we're on group boards together. And then we just met in person at the Ad Thrive conference and I got to sit next to you and you were so lovely. Oh, thank you. And ditto. Um, it was so nice to have a long chat to you. I love I love the conference. It was great. And it was so lovely to meet people in person and connect. So it's yes. brilliant. And you flew all the way out from the UK to Austin, Texas. Yes. And it was so worth it. <laughs> it's, nothing beats face-to-face contact and kind of, like you say, we've known each other for a while online and then suddenly the penny drops and you're like, oh, yes, of course. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So, Brilliant. so thank you for being on the show. And I want to hear about your story because I, I'm going to say it. You are a big blogger. You have a big, successful blog. So to start thank off, you. I want to hear your story. How did you get into this? Well, I guess like many bloggers, I... Uh, about 10, oh, not eight years ago, so 2010, so yeah, eight, eight, nine years ago, I um, was at home with a toddler and a baby, and I kind of knew that I didn't want to go back to my day job, but I also knew that I needed to do something to keep myself busy, and, you know, your mind stimulated rather than the kids were keeping me busy, but um, something that belonged to me, and also something that earned a little bit of money, not not lots, but a little bit, uh, so that I could contribute to the household and feel like I didn't have to go back to work or don't have that pressure to go back to work. And I actually started off with um, selling uh, kids pop art. That's actually where the name Redhead Art comes from. Not So the blog actually came second. It was this, this pop art I was doing first. Okay. And uh, one of these pop art uh, pictures is actually a red teddy. And that's okay. where the title red ted art comes from and the art was tacked on because red dead red ted.com was already taken um so it was that's how the name came about and were you and, selling it on selling these things on etsy what were you doing well, well anywhere i was kind of it was mainly through word of mouth or going to, to like local craft fairs that kind of thing and um but I, I kind of like to be honest i was competing with things like ikea you know mm-hmm. <laughs> bright and colorful but there's something handmade versus Ikea selling it for you know five pounds or ten dollars or whatever it is and um also there's quite a lot of pressure if you're kind of trying to sell something handmade because you want it to be really good but by definition handmade is never going to be what you think is perfect though for other people it might be and um I set up the blog because I was told at the time that if you wanted to sell you know sell anything you needed an online presence Mm. and I was building a website um that actually never went live but uh, I was building a website and whilst I was building that website, I uh, decided to do the blog because it was quick and easy. So it was a really quick way to go online. 
And um, as part of that, I thought, well, you know, I can't just talk about here's another painting, here's another picture, here's another drawing. It's really boring. You know, there's a sales mantra that I'm sure everyone's familiar with, which is in order to sell something, you have to give something away for free. Mm. Uh, so, so give them something for free and then in return, try and sell to them. So I thought, oh, well, I'll just do little craft posts because that's fun. And it gives me something to do with the children. And, you know, it's, it's easy and I enjoy it. And I've, I've always loved crafts. So I kind of created my first two, three craft posts. And then I went, oh, actually, this is much more fun than doing pop art paintings where it's quite stressful and you're trying to sell and you need to get it perfect and, you know, that kind of thing. And I, and I kind of very quickly saw that actually um, the blog, A, was more fun and less pressure. It involved my children because obviously I was working with them at the time. Uh, it didn't. I enjoyed, I mean, it was something I, I, I my, when I was a child, I used to love crafting. And as a young person, I was crafted. And as a young adult, I, I, I crafted as well. And I kind of found my way back to a passion of mine with, without even realizing that that's where I was going to go with it. And thought, and then, and then also very quickly saw actually, you know, my hits are slowly going up. Um, this, 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 this could be something. And, mm. and that's basically how the concept of the blog was born. Well, it's probably, good six months or maybe maybe three months into blogging that I realized oh I like blogging <laughs> not I want to you know so, so I didn't go into blogging thinking I want to blog to make money I, I kind of went into blogging as a as a sort of a bridge to a website um, and then I never launched the website because it was rubbish and I didn't want to sell the, the pop art anymore <laughs> I just stuck with it with the blog and haven't looked back since well I love how again you went in one direction and discovered a whole passion that you didn't even that was kind of sleeping yeah for, for, for me I mean it was it was just amazing and perfect and, and I whenever people ask me now oh how do I start off and how do I do this how do I do that I always say you know what just just start because mm. you don't know where it's going to take you and in the early days of blogging I, I did do like like a lot of other parenting bloggers I did have some book reviews and some days out and it was always mainly crafts but mm -hmm. I kind of experimented with other things but I always came back to crafts and that was very clearly my strength and my passion and um, I think those people who are trying to start out that's it's, it's just start because you'll you'll quickly find what you like and you'll quickly enjoy what you know do you do does that make sense it's without trying you're not going to find that path absolutely um, and I, I'm so grateful that I tried <laughs> and that I found this yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think it is all about discovery and it is all about putting it out there and then seeing how you respond to it and how other people respond to it. Exactly, exactly. And there's no shame in, in, in starting something and changing direction. Um, it's just, I think, especially in the early days, you have to give yourself some time to experiment. Maybe, maybe for six months you experiment. And then after that, I do think you have to start knuckling down, though, and going for it. Because I've seen some very talented people over the years starting blogs and then rebranding two years later, rebranding two years later. And that's quite difficult because mm. you're almost always starting afresh. So I do think once you get going, it's, it's good to stick with it. Okay, so now that you have been at it and you've grown this big business, how similar is it today? Like how, how often are you creating crafts and how do you stay motivated? Yeah, um, well, it, it has changed significantly. So in the early days, it was about my children and it was about me. Um, and obviously my children featured in it a lot. Then they started school. <laughs> and I 
found they came home from school and they were tired and they didn't want to craft and they didn't want to make. So I'd wait for them and then I'd wait for the weekend and then they still didn't feel like it. And then suddenly I was like, oh no, but I need that next blog post. What's going on? So it was, a, it was for me, there was a transition period between, you know, from having always had my kids in it and it being about us and it, in that sense, being a personal blog about crafts. Right. It then did make that transition into being um, a, a blog about crafts, but not always child made. Um, and and that, that was difficult because up until then, it, I always felt the children should be driving it. And then suddenly it became this whole adult made versus child made. And I don't know if you're aware of the debate, but people often debate, you know, is it all right for an adult to show you a child's craft that no child has ever made before? And once you kind of wrap your head around that, um, then I just then it just kind of took off from there, if, if that makes sense. So it has changed, but okay. just because my family life has changed. And I think this is what a lot of blogs do because we change and our children change and our, our you know, home changes. And so in some ways, our story is still wrapped up in that, um, even though it's much more about me now than, than it is about the kids. Um, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I just think it's different. Right. Again, um, I think that when you are a blogger, your blog is part of your life. Yeah. You know, I always say, like, I'm so curious in five years what our businesses will look like. Oh, I totally agree. I have no idea. No idea. Things change so quickly on the Internet as well, don't they? So could we talk about, okay, you discovered social media pretty early, right? So... You are very big, for example, on Facebook and YouTube and in, and Pinterest, I'm assuming. So how did you then get on to social media early? Okay, so that's, that's I'm glad you think I got onto it early because I remember when uh, Facebook first came about, I was a bit sort of baffled by it. <laughs> to confess, I didn't understand why you would have a page on Facebook. So so in some ways, I was slow to make that, that switch. And um, and then when suddenly, again, the, the penny dropped of how you use social media, then when other things came along, like Pinterest and Instagram, I was like, oh, actually, okay, let's just, you just need to go and run with it. Okay. Um, and, and then also when you then started seeing the traffic coming from these social media platforms, you suddenly saw, well, I suddenly saw the value of, of social media. And, and now obviously I'm a massive social media convert. I totally get it. I totally get that you need to do it and that, that it's, a, you know, that's such a, such a huge traffic driver. But um, if I'm being really honest, it, it, in the very, very early days, it, it took me a little while to kind of get it. But I was lucky enough that that was a long time ago. I mean, it was eight years ago. And, and I do agree that I, in some ways it's much harder now to grow your presence on, say, Facebook. Um, but in other ways it's easier because there's more information out there and people understand sort of the tricks of the trade a bit better. So I guess, again, it's just different. Um, but to anyone starting out, my tip would be to focus on one platform and really work that platform and not neglect the others completely. Right. I think you need to kind of dabble in all of them. But you can transfer a lot of it. So if, let's say Facebook is the main one. You know, you do all your work for Facebook, whether it's video or, or, or crafts, and then you just, you know, crop and quickly edit it for Instagram or, or Pinterest. Um, so I, I do think it's important not to neglect any platform completely. And you want your eggs in, in more than one basket. Uh, so, for example, I've had a problem with my Facebook page this week that people might be aware of that, that Facebook is randomly kind of dinging pages and there's no reach. So for a week, I couldn't basically use it. And then luckily, because my Pinterest is in place and my SEO is in place and YouTube is in place, 
yeah, it was annoying, but it wasn't a disaster. So mm. I think social media, you, you, it's, it's so powerful and it is amazing and, and I love it. But at the, the same time, you know, we don't own it. Uh, we have no control over it. And you have to have kind of your, yeah, your eggs, not all the eggs in one basket, I think is, is the sort of the bottom line. So where would you say, so what is your biggest traffic driver right now? Okay, so right now it's, it's Google and SEO. Um, And that's because I've put a lot of effort in in the last year to tidy up my SEO strategy, so to speak. Okay. Um, And yeah, I think it's really important to never forget Google. um, Yes. Because again, this thing about using Facebook as an example, I had a a week where I couldn't use it and, you know, that's my traffic down. And at least I had Google ticking over and Pinterest ticking over. Can we just say, how many followers do you have on Facebook? Uh, just short of 2.4 million. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And I that's, know, I, yeah. It's frustrating though, because two years ago when I had 400,000, you know, you'd get the same sort of traffic. So it's a great number, but you have to take it with a pinch of salt and kind of remember how Facebook behaves, unfortunately. Right. Facebook is like a fickle boyfriend. Oh, yes. <laughs> but I feel like Facebook is, is becoming a worse and worse boyfriend. Yeah. And unfortunately, we can't get rid of that boyfriend just yet. (laughs) (laughs) I know we're in bad relationships. Facebook never, and I've said this on my podcast, like Facebook does, isn't our sweet spot for catch my party. Pinterest is. And so I would meet bloggers like you who were getting enormous amounts of traffic from Facebook and we tried everything. And Mm. yet it just, there are certain, um, blogs where it just is a perfect fit yeah yeah i agree and and i do think um you know i, I definitely can't knock anything else i agree with you pinterest is so important and it's such a valuable platform and to put it into context i mean my pinterest following is much smaller i think it's about three hundred sixty thousand, and i spend a lot less time on pinterest and it's it's driving the same amount of traffic if not even a little bit more but how I find Facebook quite useful that I can get something going on Facebook and then it gets pinned a lot and then mm. their Pinterest becomes stronger. So Pinterest is like that long midterm game, isn't it? Mm. Uh, so if you've yes. got a new blog post out, Pinterest won't really pick it up for about three or four weeks. I mean, it will, but but you won't necessarily see a huge difference in that particular blog post. Whereas Facebook is kind of now. And I think that's sort of quite the difference between the two for me. You kind of start off with Facebook now it kind of gets things going. It goes on to Pinterest. Pinterest, it slowly kind of disperses amongst Pinterest. And then further down the line, it's Pinterest that's giving you the traffic and not mm. Facebook. So it's kind of like a little life cycle of your blog post. And, and I think Pinterest is a really important part of that. Now, where do Instagram and YouTube fit into that cycle? Okay, so Instagram um, is one of those social media platforms that I'm kind of doing on the side, I kind of um, spend a bit more time on it now and again, and then I forget again a bit, a little bit about it. So at the moment for me, Instagram isn't massive. Um, I know some people who really excel at it, but I feel the sort of return on time investment isn't good enough, but then maybe I haven't spent enough time. So it's chicken and egg. If you're not spending the time, you're not going to see the returns. I can't see it for me at the moment, Instagram being a massive traffic driver. You know, it's, it's, it's good for community. It's good for 
like I'm starting to use it to share my readers' crafts. Made, mm. So when they make mine and they send me photos, I'm like, oh, let's share this on Instagram. And I quite enjoy that because it's a nice way to kind of give back. But that's sort of something I'm dabbling in. So Instagram to me is I'm doing it, but it's not massive focus. It does help with when you do sponsored work. But again, that's not my main focus. So it's not so important. YouTube um, is an interesting one for me in that I started it properly about three years ago because uh, I wanted to diversify. I could see that I'd kind of plateaued a little bit in my blog and I wanted to get to a new audience. So YouTube for me is about uh, talking to the children directly. So in YouTube, mm. my main audience is sort of eight to 12 year olds, whilst Facebook is their parents. And for right. me, that's a really valuable tool um, because you're kind of getting different sort of feedback. You know, you get feedback from the kids as to what they find easy, what they find difficult. So I get really good feedback from that, what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy. So for example, five years ago, I wasn't doing any emoji crafts. <laughs> now I am. Right. That's what the 10 year olds like. Um, and that's, that's, that's great as long as there's a balance. Um, and I, what I love about YouTube as well um, is I feel I'm like, like on YouTube, I want to be your the crafty auntie. So there's so many kids who love crafting, but they don't have time at the for school. Their parents don't like doing it. They have no one at home who does it with them, but they love it. And I kind of want to be their crafty auntie that they kind of go to for some ideas, and then they can kind of teach themselves a bit with my help. You know, so that's I kind of see that as my kind of YouTube persona. That's terrific. Now, does yeah. YouTube then drive traffic for you? Does it drive brand work? What or is it just that it is you are the crafty auntie and you feel like these are your children? Um, a bit of so it's a bit of the, it's the crafty auntie is a really big part of it, and uh, and then sort of getting feedback and ideas, I guess you could argue. Uh, but also it um, it informs my content for my blog. So my blog and YouTube are totally interwoven. So I'll, I'll, I'll put a video on YouTube and I'll do a blog post on it for my blog as well. Uh, so I guess it um, it's just a different way of driving, not, not driving traffic, but um, generating content. So you asked earlier on about how do you keep motivated or interested or, or how do you keep coming up with ideas. And, and I think YouTube was just a fresh way of looking at content and craft ideas and um, that kind of thing. I, I do earn a little bit of ad revenue, um, I would say, Per thousand views, it's significantly less than the blog. So from a, I mean, I am earning, and what I get from YouTube is still worth it. Okay. But it's in ages to get to that level, if that makes sense. So yeah, so absolutely. That's a bit frustrating, and and that can be very difficult for people just starting out on YouTube. Um, that the monetary gain can be delayed. Um, so it's it's yeah. So for me, it's more about, and also actually, what I liked about YouTube to thinking it out loud now is for example origami which I love I never I didn't do a lot of origami on my blog previously because taking 50 steps yes. photos and then editing them oh so boring a nice little video it's really quick really easy and you've explained it so it changed my content on my blog purely because I had a different way of sharing how to make something and that that's that's been quite fun because it's opened up kind of a new area of of crafting because I didn't have to it's not some some things are really difficult to explain just using words and three pictures totally and, and the video is a really nice way of being able to go actually just take a look it's really easy so could we talk then about because you are 
on a variety of platforms, you're making video, what does your schedule look like? And do you have a studio set up in your house? So in terms of schedule, um, I, 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 I do consider myself a full-time blogger. So this is my job. And so, so I do roughly work, um, let's say from eight, depending on when the kids go to school from eight to about three, three thirty. you know, I do have an hour's lunch break where I go for a walk for exercise, Pilates or whatever. But, but on the whole, I do have sort of regular working hours every day. And in those regular working hours, for example, I will not do housework because I need to do my work. That makes mm -hmm. sense. So it's mm -hmm. almost like a, like a little rule. I don't go near the washing machine or anything like that. I do that when the kids are home. Because A, they need to see that that kind of stuff happens, and B, because it's, these are my working hours. So I take my working hours quite seriously in that sense. Um, and, and then outside of that, I'll probably still add another hour here or there where I do mm -hmm. a bit extra. So I think if you add it up, it's pretty much a full-time job, but it's a full-time job that's really flexible. And for example, I can take holidays and obviously manage my time around that and things like that. So, so I find it really hard saying exactly how many hours a week I do but it's, mm -hmm. it's not insignificant. Right. And it, in terms of setup, um, I have a little office, which is great. Uh, and then to be honest, I have like a, a mini video setup, which is actually my bedroom because that's got a really big window and it's got a desk. Um, and although I have some lights as well, it, it, I kind of can leave it out. Um, and it's the only place in the house where I've got the space and I can leave things out. And I think again, the being able to leave things out is quite key in terms of things like video production, probably photo production too, because you're not having to clear a space yes. each time. You're not having to pull out the equipment. Out. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and it makes a huge difference. And, you know, I can go, right, I'm just going to do a quick video and I'll go over and I'll just do a quick video and then I'll just come back and carry on writing. Uh, because you can, whereas before, I used to have to like kind of wait and get things out. Um, so I'm, I'm very lucky that my husband's very tolerant of the fact that our bedroom is also a mini studio. That's great. So, okay, so how many that, like, so what did, do you say to yourself this week, I am going to create three posts, two videos. How does that, how does that come to you? Yeah, so I, I do have a schedule. Um, and I think it's, it's a, because YouTube is like any social media, you're kind of rewarded for consistency. Mm -hmm. So I do have in my head, I need to do two videos a week. Wow. Um, for, for a year, I did three a week. And then I cut back to two and, and that's been fine. So um, those two slots, so to speak, drive my um, production or productivity. And interestingly enough, I used to have two blog posts a week on Red Hood Art. That's sort of when I built up the blog, I always had this goal of two a week or more, obviously. But oh. it had to be a minimum of two a week. And the same with, with, with YouTube. It has to be a minimum of two a week. And it does mean that some weeks I'll do something that isn't that good. And some people could argue, well, maybe it's better if you, you only put good content out. But other times, but I, I'll argue that sometimes I'll, I'll put something up that I think isn't that good and then it just takes off. Isn't so, that, I know, that's the most fascinating part of the internet. Yeah, so you know what? My two a week is really powerful because I'll, I'll, I'll sit down and go, oh, I haven't got a video and I really need a video this week. I haven't got today's video yet. And then I'll go, right, I just got to do something. And then I'll just do something and I'll be my best video all year. Um, and then that will inform, I don't know, some other ideas, spin-off ideas off the back. Um, so are the videos and the blog posts related or is this two separate crafts that are blog posts, two separate crafts that are videos? 
Uh, no, they, they, they will always be related. So, so the blog actually now has about four posts a week because I have my two on, on YouTube and I'll put most of my YouTube videos on, on the blog. Not all of them, but most of them. And then on top of that, I'm continuously working on SEO for Red Hat yes. Art. So, um, for example, I'll have those two YouTube videos and then a blog post to go with them. So, I don't know, Mermaid Craft. So, they'll be on the YouTube channel and on my blog. But then I'll also maybe work on a roundup, um, you know, kind of rehashing old content in new ways. Mm. Uh, or I might republish an old blog post. Or I might have somebody um, who really wants to do me a guest post. I'm like, yeah, great. Love your guest post. Brilliant. I'll have that up. So so I will. sometimes I'll even have five posts go out on rented art in a week, which I personally find I'm quite overwhelmed by it because I used to only do two. And I'm like going, it's so much content. I can't keep up. Right. But there's always so much to do. And there's almost so much that you kind of want to grab and go for and do the next thing. And um, so it's That's a lot amazing. of fun. Now, are you... How do you then like edit the video and then repurpose all this content for social? What's your process? So with the video, um, you know, I, I film it, uh, I film the make, and then uh, I go back and do a little introduction with the finished product. Um, and then I'll um, take the sort of camera stand down and then I'll do photos for both the YouTube thumbnail, but also with Pinterest and the blog in mind. So. So the, the process involves both at the end. So it starts off with the video, but there's then the photos that also need to be done for Pinterest and for, for the blog. Um, and then also I've recently had an app. I can't tell you the name right now because I hid my phone so it doesn't ring during the podcast. Uh -huh. But I've got an app um, where you can then do screenshots of the video quite quickly. Okay. And I'll use the screenshots just to add a couple of steps into the blog post. But the video is still the key way to explain a make on the blog but i'll also have a written description plus some steps so so it's all interwoven and the blog posts could mo mostly start be standalone without a video as well now um for a while you'd really needed the video to be able to to do the craft whilst now i'm trying to kind of come up with a an in-between because you know some people are offline and they want to make something um so I, I do create a craft now with both in mind, um, what YouTube needs and what Pinterest and the blog needs. Um, and, and it took me a while to kind of come to that. I think I was YouTubing for a good year and totally neglecting Pinterest. And that wasn't good. Right. So, um, yeah, basically. And then when I'm working on my SEO, I'll suddenly go, oh, I have a gap. You know, toilet rolls are really important for my blog right, I need to create some toilet roll crafts and then I'll try and come up with something that's suitable for my YouTube viewers and my blog. So so they, they do definitely work together now, which they didn't before. They were a bit more separate. Um, but, the, you know, SEO will drive YouTube. YouTube will drive the blog because I need a blog post. And then as long as I remember to then have some photos for Pinterest, I'll occasionally take some square ones for Instagram, but it's not as important. I can just crop the other ones. Um but yeah, that's how I'm working at the moment. Then I'm thinking, oh, maybe I should do a square video and wow. stick that on Instagram. But I'm yeah. not there yet. I mean, that's, your process <laughs> is like amazing. And do you have help? Do you have people uh, who work with you who are editing your videos or doing uh, social media for you? I, I have I have help in as far as 
that I, I um, fellow bloggers help me with my Facebook page in that uh, I've given them like the five o'clock time slot or the six o'clock time slot and they'll fill that for me every day. Okay. Um, but I, I would say I'm still doing half of Facebook and they're kind of doing the other half of me. But because I'm on Facebook, I'm posting like 20, 12 to 20 posts a day. I, I kind of need that that help if that makes because I'm still doing eight or whatever myself so to be honest at the moment I'm still doing it myself I'm trying to be cleverer and <laughs> work smarter not harder yes um, and that's my big downfall right now which I think a lot of us might be able to relate to I'm not sure yes but I do I do do it all myself and I know I shouldn't but I'm very particular about my Pinterest images <laughs> I'm very particular and it's it's really hard to let go it is really hard to let go, but I have to tell you, in my own experience, I've had to start letting go. I've yeah. had to start hiring people. Yes, um, yes. And it is ultimately a positive thing. Yes, yes. I think the problem is that I feel that I'm coping. And because I feel that I'm coping, I find it hard to let go. I think if I felt overwhelmed. Right. But then when you're overwhelmed, you then don't have the time to hire someone. I mean, I, I, I also feel, I think I, what I need to do is I, I, need to, I, I need to hire somebody young and, and train them up and have them here every day. I think that's my, my problem is that I've dabbled in. I've dabbled in VAs and I've dabbled in people writing, I don't know, Roundup for me. And they've all been really good. And, you know, so there's no one's, no, it's not that they haven't been effective or anything. It's just more case of, I think by giving them just a little bit here and there, they can never really work themselves into my way of thinking. And I, yeah. I do think if, if you're going to outsource, you kind of have to really be committed to it. So the dabbling hasn't helped me because it's kind of put me off rather than just going, actually, you know what? I need to put an ad in the paper and go for hire and, and get somebody on board properly. Right. Well, and the training, training somebody to think like you takes a while. Yes, yes. And then and then there's that nervousness that you spend six months training them up and then they leave. <laughs> yes, yes. But I, I, I have found that my, um, I have an assistant, for example, and we actually now can kind of finish each other's sentences. Oh, wow. That's amazing. And it's, and by the way, she lives in Portugal and we are just on Slack all so day. Oh, right. So you work remotely. That's amazing. Yeah. And then, like, because on Slack, for example, we can call each other. So right. we're always, when we talk, we're like, I can't believe you're not down the block. Wow, okay. I can't right. believe you're halfway around the world. How did you find her? We had done work. She had done work for Catch My Party. And we were, we became friends. Like, she was pregnant and yeah. she was having a baby. And, and so we just stayed. And now that that baby is, I think, five um, wow. And so wow. we just stayed in touch and we had done, She had, she's a designer, she had created some printables for us uh, and I just loved working with her. So one day I said, hey, you know, she said she was looking for to do more. I said, right. hey, do you want to work with me? Brilliant, brilliant. I love it. Right. So I again, to... it was organic and it's been, it, it's like she, she is like half my brain. Brilliant. My problem is that I, I know some really good bloggers that I would love to work with more, but they've got their own blogs. <laughs> They're so busy yes. with their own stuff. And that's my problem because I know some amazing people who I'd, I'd love to hand over some work to. But um, And I know they would take some of it off me, but right. at the end of the day, they've got their own websites and their own projects. Um, and that's the thing. It's finding that sort of external person to it who, who doesn't necessarily want to do their own, but would right. just love being 
being involved. Um, in fact, that, that's given me an idea. So I'm glad we've had this conversation. <laughs> I'm glad. I have to say, you know, the, the letting go is difficult at first. Yes. But then when you see how much more you can do. Yes. Yes, um, yes. It, or, or here's the other piece. You've got a thought partner. Yeah. So when she comes to me and goes, I think we need a blog post about this. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's brilliant. Yeah, that's a very, very valid point as well. I agree. It's amazing. So you're not just up in your own head. Yeah. And you, and you do have somebody to discuss latest issues and kind of bloggy, issue, you know, problems. Because there's always little things going on that kind of the real life people don't necessarily get. <laughs> exactly. Just... And also, for example, when we came back from our conference, you and me, you know, and we learned new, new techniques for Pinterest, yes. immediately, I'm like, talking to her and going, here's what I've learned. And here's how we should, you know, it gives me all these ideas. But like, it's hard then for me to execute, but to say, let's go this way. And she'll be like, great. And then adds her spin to it. So it does... Like, if you find the right person, that one plus one is more than two. Yes, I agree. Now, now it can be that one plus one is like one and a half. Yeah, yeah. But then and you have so, the right person, I guess, right? Exactly, exactly. So it, it is all about finding the right person. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, okay, so do you, so when we were talking about kind of all these social networks that you're on and stuff, how then, so we we were going through your traffic sources and you were saying that SEO is first yes. and then followed by, you said, Facebook and Pinterest are somewhat even, although Pinterest yes. might be a little bit higher. Yeah, yeah. They, they kind of level peg each other. And then I think overall Pinterest, I mean, I haven't looked at it recently enough. I haven't looked at the full year, but Pinterest probably will do better over time or, or might um, have a, like if you have a Pinterest viral, as you know, that's just yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, Whereas if you have a Facebook viral, you'll get nice traffic from it, but not in the same way as a Pinterest viral. Okay. What do you mean by that? So if I have a post, let's say, being reshared 40,000 times on Facebook, which I hasten to add is not often. Okay. Um, I'll get some lovely traffic from it, but because people on Facebook like to consume on Facebook, right. it can be quite hard for, to get them to click through. I mean, they do click through, statistically speaking, but I suspect... I'm just making this up that only 30% of Facebook users click through right. whilst probably 90% of Pinterest users click through. Exactly. Pinterest users are there. I mean, yes, they're browsing a lot and they're getting visual ideas and visual um, inspiration. Obviously that's, that's what Pinterest is. But um, I think Pinterest people do want to click through and get the full information. Whilst on Facebook, it's almost like, you know, the more they can consume on Facebook itself. Yes. Yeah. Um, so 40,000 Pins would get me much more traffic than 40,000 shares on Facebook. Yes. Now, does YouTube drive traffic? A little bit. Uh, not hugely. Um, mainly, the main traffic I get from YouTube is if I have a printable to go with a certain craft. Right. And because YouTube, because it's my kids there, I do put printables on there when I say my kids, but I don't put too many because I, I feel it's a little bit unfair because they don't all have access to printers. Right. So I, I try not to overload my YouTube channel with the printables as such. Um, I do try and do a lot of stuff where they can learn how to make it literally from scratch. And sometimes I'll go, here's how you make it from scratch. If you find it easier, here's a printable. So you could argue there's choice. Um, but yeah, I get a little bit of traffic from YouTube. Um, but 
not tons. So then my next question is, how do you monetize? So my, for both the blog and YouTube, it is mainly ad revenue. And okay. I have to say, I love ad revenue. I think it's brilliant because it, it feels like this passive income. And um, it, I, I have no I have no guilt about ads because I feel I'm offering a lot, everything for free. And if you just have to look at an ad whilst you're kind of passing, right. that's, that's fine. You know, as far as I'm concerned, it's like, you know, I don't want ads to be intrusive, obviously, but, but equally, I, I think it, they're fine. Um, so ad revenue is, is the big thing. And, and, you know, we talked about ad thrive earlier on. I mean, that for me was a game changer. You know, yes. when I wrote Google Analytics, <laughs> sorry, Google AdSense. Uh, it doesn't even compare, uh, you know, Ad Thrive just transformed my in- my revenue inco- income. You know, it's amazing. Um, so thank you, Ad Thrive. Thank you, Ad Thrive. <laughs> thank you, Ad Thrive. We love you. And uh, YouTube is similar in that sense that it's actually Google AdSense on YouTube. Um, but the, the revenue is much lower. And I have a lot of uh, Indian viewers on YouTube. And again, as, as, as with Ad Thrive, I'm sure certain countries are more profitable than others. And India, for example, is less profitable, but I still right. like it as a, as, a, as a place. I mean, I, I enjoy those viewers, so there's nothing wrong with that, but it just means that the revenue is, is lower. Um, and I, I do a little bit of sponsored work, so working with, with brands and stuff, but I wouldn't say it's not, it's not my main driver. I do a little bit of affiliate marketing, but again, it's not something I'm, I'm not very good on at sales. I'm not a big salesperson. I, I do feel I need to change that a bit because... I do have a very great, you know, really strong audience and there's some really great products out there and I probably should make more about bringing those two together. But at the moment, it's it's ad revenue and that's basically means I just totally focus on um, sort of page views statistically, you know. Got it. Yeah. Now, what do you do then? How do you deal with, you wake up in the morning and Facebook has somehow changed its algorithm and thank goodness this most recent one was only like affected your traffic for about a week. Yeah. But how do you not internalize that and go, oh, or yay, because I struggle with that. Yeah, it's, it's really, it is really hard. I, I'm, I'm, you know, in inverted commas lucky that you, uh, that Facebook has been uh, tinkering with the algorithms, I think since 2000. Is it 14 or something? Probably. So the, the heyday of Facebook has long been over and they've been making it, as far as I'm concerned, more and more difficult for years now. So I think if I'd gone from my heyday of 2014 to a week of no traffic, it would have been devastating. Yes. <laughs> because Facebook had been turning off the tap <laughs> bit by bit. Yes. It, it was... You know, obviously disappointing, but I'd heard about this. This it's a, literally it's a seven day problem. It was literally to the minute. Mm. Once the seven days were over, the page was back. And because I I knew about other pages, this has happened to. You know, it was a real shock for them when it happened to them in January and when it happened to them in March. And I was like really sad for them. You know, when it came to me, I was just like, uh, you know what, it was bound to happen at some point. It's happened now. Let's pray it's the seven-day bug. <laughs> okay. Just move on. And I was lucky, touch wood. I mean, it only got lifted this morning, so we're still early days. Um, it's, yeah, and I think because Facebook's been a difficult platform to work on for a while, you just have to let go. Um, yeah, it's, it's that's the only way I can describe it. And, and it, it's, it's a love-hate relationship, Facebook. I'm, I'm you know, I'm being quite honestly, it's it's, it's a very frustrating platform. Um, 
but what can you do we don't we don't pay for it we don't own it they do right right Um, yes it's a good lesson i think that uh traffic in general or, or like i will go for weeks and not check our google analytics yeah because i find it's really hard for me yeah. to separate my emotions or my fears from yes, my Google right. Analytics. Yes, you're quite right. Especially in the summer months, I'll, I'll, I'll avoid looking at it because in the summer month, which is my quiet period, I, I don't know if it's the same for you, it, you know, you can, it can be depressing. But I, I, I think also with the, um, you know, having been blogging for about eight or nine, eight years, eight, nine years, um, I've also learned that it is seasonal. So yes. the highs of Christmas is not the norm. They yes. are generally a high. And if I assume that my summer traffic is normal and everything else is a bonus, it's much easier to deal with. Yeah. So in fact, for us, weirdly, our traffic die. Our traffic is like the highest um, for Halloween. Oh, and yes. then yeah. it dies for us between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Oh, wow. Really? Which is super weird, but it happens yes. every year. And every year... I fear that we're going out of business. Yeah, I know what you mean because it's when you see that drop, you're like, oh. and then and then it somehow kind of the following year comes again. It and comes back. Oh, and, and by the way, I, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I, like I remember this September thinking, yeah, in September everything's good again, and then the first week in September it was still a bit low, and then in the second week I was like, oh, panic, panic, and then you know what? By the end of September we were off again. Exactly. Uh, but it, but I, I know what you mean because I could. During my peak seasons, I find that probably more stressful than the low seasons now because I've kind of made my peace with the low season. Right. And the peak season is when I'm like, yeah, I need to make my money now. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. But there is, you know, there is something about letting go. Yes. There is something about trusting like, okay, maybe our business is over, but we're smart. We could come up with something else. Yeah. Yes, I think you're right. And I think also with, with and again, I'm not sure how, how it works for you with, with Catch My Party, but I know, for example, with Red Ted Art, certainly for the next year or two, unless something really awful happens, I will have a, a base income. Yes. So I, know, I know I'll get at least, let's say, a third of what I'm earning right now. Yes. And if I put that as a number, I'm like, you know what? That's still, you know, I'm, I'm lucky. The, the blog is at the size now where, I, where that is still a good number, right? Right, um, right. I I think you just have to, and I I do say to my husband constantly, you know, we just need to make hay whilst the sun shines, save as much as possible, put as much as possible aside, um, and then what will be will be. And obviously I'd like to keep it going for as long as possible, but who knows? Who knows? I know. Yeah. I know. I know. It's, 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 (laughs) yeah, well, it's one of those things about being an entrepreneur is you don't know. No. And I do think it's important to constantly add strings to your bow. So uh, YouTube was an example where three years ago I wasn't really doing it and now I am. Um, I, I, you know, in terms of looking forward, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm considering, I haven't got any concrete plans, but, you know, you're looking at what products you could have, maybe physical ones or apps or, you know, there's a lot of ebooks around. So, you know, you, you do have to kind of just keep adding strings to your bow. And then as one drops off, the next one hopefully takes its place and you move on. Exactly. And that was our story with Milo Tree. We built yes. Milo Tree for ourselves. We didn't think this would be a business. Then all of a sudden it really worked. And we thought, oh, wow, this. And then we, we had that moment of like, 
can we be in the app business? And like, this is a whole different market. We're selling to bloggers and entrepreneurs, whereas Catch My Party is all about moms throwing parties. Like, how do we make sense of that? And then we're like, well, why not? I mean, it's genius. I love, I love you. I love Milo Trees an example. I think it's a really good example where you can kind of just think, okay, how, yeah, like you say, you created it for need you had yourself and then it created a new income stream or business for you. So, you know, it's looking at things like that. So I'm, I'm always keeping my ear open for blogger problems and blogger issues. I've got a friend who's an amazing developer and I know he's really interested in developing something. It's just figuring out what that something is. Um, exactly and it's just kind of like tapping into your like um for me it is about questioning your assumptions and saying well like could i do this oh maybe mm -hmm. i could maybe i should try that and and kind of going following a couple of your almost crazy ideas not you (laughs) one's (laughs) crazy ideas and seeing like could that pay off could this be something i don't know yeah and i think i think if you if you don't try you'll never know um, yes, and, and I think that's the, the main thing. So, for example, this friend I just mentioned about the, um, the developer, I said to him, "Look, can we create a rival newsletter platform?" And then we had a big chat about it. And we decided we wouldn't bother because ConvertKit is just amazing, and competing purely on price isn't worth it. But then he said, "Yeah, but what else is there?" So you know, it opens a conversation. So even though, okay, maybe it's a bad example because I said I haven't actually tried a newsletter platform because that's a huge project. But I, I initiated the background conversation and talk to an expert in the you know so it's it's exploring different options and and again it might lead you to something else and I think it will because he said but you know what Maggie I don't think the newsletter is a brilliant idea just because competing on price isn't a good enough reason but I think I think there's something we can do together I know there is we just have to come up with ideas and I've got that sort of strength doing that there's someone there who who believes in everything I'm doing and really wants to work with me. He said that. I said, I really want to do a project with you. We just need to figure out what that project is. And that happened. It was a month ago. I know two weeks ago we spoke. So, you know, it's that sort of thing, you know, you just couldn't go. So if you have any problems, please tell me. Exactly. (laughs) Email Maggie. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) So Maggie, what are you most excited about that you're working on or that you're planning to work on? Um, Well, it's a tricky one for me because back to this thing about having an assistant or somebody to work with is I'm so uh, lost in the day job. I don't often take enough time back, step back to go, okay, what's the bigger picture? And um, I think I sometimes use that as an excuse. I I love the term constructive procrastination. (laughs) I've never heard that. I love it. Yeah, you're basically very, very, very um, productive, but you're not doing the things you should be doing so back to me churning out five blog posts a week i mean that's really productive but i'm still procrastinating on the bigger picture Mm. um so that's my my challenge Uh, i mean one thing i am looking at is obviously making more of my newsletter again this is from the ad thrive conference Mm. Um, and again facebook having just given me that week off so to speak kind of enforces that so I'm, I'm much more positive about my newsletter, for example, and making more of it and using it as more of a tool to connect with people and you know, encouraging them to you know, do things like send me their photos of stuff they've, they've made themselves. Um, but I have to confess, 
beyond that, it's it's kind of carrying on what I'm doing um, and maybe coming up with that killer idea that uh, my developer friend and I can work on. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm quite confident something, we will think of something. The question is just when. Right. Now, if, if you, given that you've been at this for a while, mm-hmm. um, what advice would you have for somebody who is just starting out? who doesn't have, you know, where today it's not as easy to grow your Facebook followers, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. or something like that, but you should use Milo Tree because it will help. Uh, but but like, what would you say to somebody who comes to you and says, I want to I want to do what you do, or I want to start something on my own? Yeah, I, th- I think there's a, there's a few things. I'm not sure how many points I'm going to make, but let's see. The first one is just believe in yourself. I know it's such a cheesy thing to say, such a cliche thing to say, but it's so important. Um, I mean, I have I have a lot of teachers who read my blog, and they I know they love it. In fact, I got an email today from a teacher at school asking me to come in and make her wedding bouquet with her class. I mean, it's oh. such it's such a sweet thing. Uh, so I know, I, and then I had a coincidentally the deputy head also from the same school emailed me today saying, "Can you come in for our health and well-being day and run some craft sessions?" So I know I've got teachers who've totally got my back. But also my early days of blogging, I had teachers uh, or teacher friends who kind of questioned my ability to teach. And it kind of then made me unconfident about certain things I was doing at the time, things that I was really enjoying doing. So I, was, I had like a kids get um, get arty series, you know, looking at Goldsworthy or Andy Warhol or whatever. And you know what? I think if you believe, if, if you're passionate about what you're doing and you believe in yourself, um, what you produce will be amazing. So I think that's one big thing is, is don't let other people make you feel that you can't for whatever reason, you know, whether you're, you're doing a cooking blog and you're like, but I'm not a chef, I've never trained or, you know, so it doesn't matter because if you're passionate about it, you'll be doing a good job, whatever you're doing. So I think that's the first thing is to, to, to really not let other people question you in that sense. And then the other things are more pragmatic. Um, I think my blog, right from the word go, um, SEO, I didn't understand it early on. I had some really weird blog titles like, oh, Red Ted gets stuck in instead of describing what the craft is about. <laughs> right. You know, really nice art titles or fun titles, but they, they mean nothing in SEO terms. Right. Um, I do think paying attention to SEO from as early on as possible is, is, is important. You don't have to necessarily get bogged down in the detail of SEO. You can learn about SEO as you go along. Um, But if you have basic structures in place, like a good blog post title. um, And and wait, I just want to stop for one second. I think what you're saying is to not have some like, this is awesome post title, but to say, uh, you know, how to make a wedding bouquet with tissue paper flowers. Exactly. So so it's, it's, it's just... Yeah, so not, not go for the sort of nice journalistic titles, but go for informative titles. So whether it's SEO or Pinterest or Facebook, if it's informative, people know what it's about. Right. Uh, so you've got to remember that your blog is a bit like a magazine and you, you're kind of on a shelf in a newsagent and you're fighting for people to pick up your magazine and look inside your magazine and find out more. And if the cover image is confusing and the cover title is confusing, they won't necessarily pick it up. Not because it's not nice, just because they right. won't it. Um, so I, I, I think it's, it's really tricky to a newer blogger to say you need to do this, this and this because it can be really overwhelming. So I do think just get started. But my generally my advice to people is uh, 
you know, consider the basics of SEO, which are things like a good title. Consider your images. Don't put things on your blog that are two megabytes in size. Try and mm. keep them small. Right. Um, and then consider... Wait, and that's so that your blog loads quickly because... Yes. Uh, speed matters. People will exactly. click away if they're waiting for your images to load. Exactly. So it's just, it's just the quick loading, but also you're then um, carrying around a lot of weight that you're paying for because it's yes. more, more bandwidth being eaten up by that visitor because it's taking that long for that image to load. So smaller, not small, they don't have to be physically smaller, but the file sizes need to be smaller. And then, you know, without going into too much techno speak, but that's that whole thing about being conscious that there is social media out there and that Pinterest, for example, does prefer portrait and that Instagram, for example, does prefer square and that Facebook is somewhere in between. <laughs> I prefer right. landscape from a editing visual point of view because I find then it doesn't take up your whole page in terms of image. So you kind of need to have a mix of images um, to kind of address different needs of the audience finding you in different ways. So you can take the same picture, but have it landscape and portrait, and that usually will do the trick to begin with. And then as as your blog grows and you learn more, you can you know you get better at your photography and you get better at your pinnable images and you get better at. But I think it's to avoid overwhelming people with information, just have one of each: <laughs> um, yep. a landscape one, a portrait one. Watermark everything. Watermark mm. everything. things get lost on the internet. Um, and wait, and can you explain what a watermark is? Uh, so yeah, so if you if you have a, it's mainly for your photos. So mine, on my all my images, I have a, a very lightly written uh, red TED art in the corner, so that places like Pinterest um, often images will get mispinned, so to speak, and the link will get broken. So there's a lovely image of your craft, and when people click on it, it just doesn't come through to you. So if you've got a watermark on it, at least they can type into google oh okay it says red tid art there red tid art and there's a, a giraffe so i'll just put red tid art giraffe and then with a bit of luck they'll find that craft again and um, mm. obviously there's also a little bit about online theft but that's sort of, yes you know that's another issue but just from a simplistic point of view um i always like to call it that images get lost <laughs> and if you watermark yes. you provide a trail back to your website and people are more likely to come back to you oh well maggie this has been so delightful. I I so enjoy, I don't know, always chatting when we chat. I just yeah, okay. I learn from you. I love your honesty. Uh, so how can people reach out to you? Uh, anyway, I mean, they can email me. So info at redtedart.com or they'll find me on, on social media, so Facebook. But, um, you know, in groups, usually I think we're more active. So I don't know if people are aware of things like the Kid Blogger Network Um or blogging buddies so i think again you new bloggers should try and join blogging groups it's a really great way and to these are on facebook on facebook yeah so there's some really good um blogging groups that that you know or, or if you've got a friend that blogs ask them about what groups they're in um and i think that's a really good helpful way but if, if you're trying to get to me personally so yeah info at redtedart.com or um leaving me a comment on Instagram oddly considering I've said it's not that important a platform I, will, I usually see all the comments on Instagram <laughs> but I said don't see any comments on Facebook because it's so busy on Facebook um so yeah I, I think that's awesome. there. but thank well, you as well for having me it's been really nice to chat to you so you've, I feel like you're you know you might be so far away from me but we're friends and it's lovely <laughs> Are you trying to grow your social media followers and email subscribers? 
Well, if you've got two minutes, I've got a product for you. It's Milo Tree. Milo Tree is a smart pop-up slider that you install on your site and it pops up and asks your visitors to follow you on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Pinterest, or subscribe to your list. It takes two minutes to install. We offer a WordPress plugin or a simple line of code and it's Google friendly on mobile and desktop. So we know where your traffic is coming from. We show a Google friendly pop-up on desktop and a smaller Google friendly pop-up on mobile. Check it out, sign up today and get your first 30 days free. 